Hi, Greg. Hey, Ron. How's it going? You know, I'm just I'm sitting here looking at uh, looking at Jean-Luc Picard face palming uh, on the desk and thinking about how that is uh, appropriate, so appropriate for this year. It is. It's really everything about 2020 um, summed up into one simple pose uh, transformed into a limited edition um, out of only 1,701 uh, busts of Jean-Luc Picard giving the facepalm. It's just, it's so perfect. It, it is uh, absolutely perfect. Well, I wanted to, um, I, I definitely want to hear more about how, you know, 2020 just continues to be nothing but a facepalm. But I, I kind of wanted to pick up just briefly, and we don't have to spend a lot of time on this, but I just wanted to pick up briefly on where we left off last week with you being a little bitch and not appropriately voting for one of the the actual Batman origin stories. Um, with um, I, I, I have some hope here. Um, and this comes via uh, an article that I actually just read this morning. Um, and it is, it's one of these articles online that goes through, um, it's called Morning Spoilers. So it goes through a bunch of different things that are in production or rumored to be in production and all that kind of stuff. And I, I tend to stay away from this stuff, right? But, um, today's, well, actually, to be fair, this, this is from Friday. I just happened to see it today. But the headline of this one, I I absolutely had to dive into because it was so appropriate. And I, I want to first I want to first give you the headline, and then I want to read you the small blurb, and I want to get your individual reactions to each. Okay. Okay. So the headline of the morning spoilers is quote the Batman wants to explore Bruce Wayne's tragic soul. End quote. All right, so I'm going I'm to pause there. And for anybody who might not know, there's going to be a new Batman standalone movie coming out. Uh, was originally going to star Batfleck, and he, I think he was even going to direct it, right? Uh, I believe so. I think so, at one point. And then he kind of stepped back from that, and Matt Reeves came in, and uh, then Batfleck was still going to star in it, but then Matt Reeves was going to direct, and then Batfleck backed out altogether. And now it's going to be none other than Twilight Guy. What's Twilight. <laughs> uh, Twilight Guy is fine. No one cares who he is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) before i respond to the headline okay Uh i gotta say can you blame batflick i mean after 
after Batman v Superman, why would you want to continue on with that pile of shit? Yeah, why would you want to continue and do an entire Justice League movie? Oh wait, you did. That's right. I know. And then why? And and then and then you do the Justice League movie, which I won't even watch. Uh, people listening may not know this, but uh, I hate the fucking DC movies. They're terrible. They're garbage. Um, why would you want to star in that shit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now you're talking DC anything post Nolan. Um, or DC post- anything post eighty two. Um, oh wow! But also <laughs> Nolan counts. Okay. Okay. All so right. well, Nolan is his own little island. Mm-hmm. Um, you know we're we're going to treat him the same way that DC treats him, which is they were awesome movies that you know don't get to fit into the universe because why would we take the best of the Batman movies and include them? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> why would we? <sighs> it, yeah, it makes it makes so, no sense. So to respond to the uh, headline first, great. We're going to get to see Bruce Wayne cry like a little bitch. (laughs) Yeah, it, it really, uh, it really appears. It really appears to be that way. Now the, the actual blurb, once you dive down um, into the, the article a little bit more, um, so there, there's an excerpt here um, from – it's actually from a Den of Geek article. But the excerpt is, I think that Matt Reeves – and oh, sorry. This comes from co-writer uh, Mattson Tomlin. So here we go. Quote, I think that Matt Reeves is a filmmaker, if you look at any of his work, whether or not it's Let Me In or Cloverfield or the Planet of the Apes movies – He's always coming in from a point of emotion. It's never the big action thing. It's always, what is this character's soul? I think that really looking at Batman as someone who's gone through this trauma and then everything that he's doing is then a reaction to that rather than shy away from that. I think this film leans into that in some very fun and surprising ways. I think that's all I can say without getting yelled at. Okay, now he was he the first Planet of the Apes remake, um, where where they had the the like the creepy monkey sex scene where the monkey like jumps up on the bed and he's like ooh, 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 and like gyrating on the bed. You know, honestly, I don't uh, remember Matt Reeves. Well, I'm going to assume that that was him. <laughs> okay, and I'm gonna say uh, he nailed it. That's okay. you know um, that. That is the kind of emotion I expect to see in this Batman movie. <laughs> it is, huh? I don't, I honestly, I don't think, and and I'll, I'll be perfectly honest here. I couldn't name you a single Matt Reeves movie. Um, uh-huh. And well, I, I just, I just named three of them there for you. Uh, well, we don't even know which Planet of the Apes it was. And that's the only one that I would probably know. It was but, it was Dawn of Planet of the Apes and War for the Planet of the Apes. So he did not direct, um, what was it? Rise of the Planet of the Apes. 
Okay. Okay. And that was the first one, and that was the one I was thinking of. So anyway, I will not fault him nor anyone else as a director um, for, for making a bad DC movie. Um, there is something inherently cursed about DC. Um, you know, it's, it's whoever, whatever suits are in charge of things have, have like, uh, I don't know, they've angered a voodoo priestess or something mm -hmm. and all of their movies are garbage. And it doesn't matter what you do. You could you could scrap the whole thing. You could give it to uh, you know the guys in charge of of the MCU, right? Mm -hmm. And have them take over and start from scratch. And they would plan it all out. And five years from now, you'd get the first movie coming out, and it would be a fucking turd. Okay, so let's let's say that happened, right? Today every everything just halts, right? Like uh Wonder Wonder Woman's in the can, so maybe maybe at some point that comes out on like, you know, uh, streaming first or something like that. Like, you know, Mulan's going to be $30, right? But that's already in the can. They say we're going to cut our losses with the Batman. I am not paying $30 for a fucking live action remake of Mulan. <laughs> right. Not when I, especially not because I already have to pay for the service to be able to pay for it. Uh-huh. 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 So that. let's say, let's, let's say that that exact scenario plays out, right? Like they ditch everything. They say, we're, we're just going to cut ties with all of it. We're going to hand this over Kevin Feige, we're we're giving you the call. We're gonna pay you a billion dollars to lead this franchise, right? And and you've got five years to, to tool and architect things out, and in twenty twenty five, you're gonna kick things off, right? So they sit down at the table and they start going through all of this stuff. What is the first movie, you know? a la Iron Man for the MCU. Okay. What's the first movie for DC that they reboot with? Harley Quinn. Really? Because she is, to date, in all of the movies that they put together, right? And, and I gave plenty of uh, well-deserved crap to... Uh, what was that fucking suicide squad pile of shit? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I, I gave plenty of well-deserved, uh, flack to that, mm -hmm. but, uh, because we were talking Batman origin and everything, I sat down last night and I watched birds of prey. Oh, really? Did. And what I will tell you is that in the beginning of that movie, right. She's, mm -hmm. she's going, she's trying to get the, the egg sandwich, right? And okay. her interaction with that egg sandwich grounded her more as a character than anything they have done in the, in the DCEU so far. Hmm. That was the pinnacle of the DCEU to date. Harley oh, Quinn trying to get an egg sandwich. That's 
That's interesting. I mean, I I haven't seen it, so you just spoiled a whole bunch of stuff for me. Um. I did. <laughs> um, here, here's here's what I'll tell you. Um, is it the greatest movie ever written? No. Is it the best turd on the fucking pile? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think they really went. I I think maybe they learned some lessons from the successes of Deadpool, I think is, is a lot of what I see in it. Um, and, and I think they positioned her to be uh, that Deadpool-esque character within the DCEU. Um, now, there's a lot not to like about the movie. Um, but I, I will say Margot Robbie uh, was very good in the movie. Um, and I mean, yeah, Margot Robbie's fantastic. Right. I mean, well, be good any, but, um, you know, it's, it's ridiculous. It's over the top. It's stupid at times and it's supposed to be right. Mm-hmm. Like that's the movie it's supposed to be. Um, yes, there are too many origin stories. Yes. Uh, you know, if you think about the plot for more than three seconds, you go, Jesus Christ, this is dumb. Uh, but overall, it, it was an entertaining movie. Uh, I chuckled a few times. Um, I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was better than Suicide Squad. Um, I thought it was better than Batman, uh, you know, fucking has another origin story, part 72, the movie that's coming out next. Um <laughs> Uh, you know, it, it was better than Aquaman. It was, you know, it was uh, it was a stupid movie, but it was meant to be a stupid movie, and that's what made it good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Now, so, like, I, I get that part of it. In... In, in five years, in this hypothetical, you reboot and you start things off and, you, you know, you, you center the universe, uh, number one, around a villain? Yes. Okay. All right. It's interesting. Here's, it's interesting. I like pretty- it. I, but hang on, hang on. Just, just one quick okay. follow-up question because this okay. would just be a quick yes or no, too. Uh, do you recast Margot Robbie? Um, not if I don't have to. Okay. I, you know, the reason that I ask is, and I, and I want to hear about this centering around a villain, but the reason that I ask is because now that she has been a part of multiple movies as this character, right? Um... How do I say this? You know, a part of the whole MCU sandbox is that, you know, other than recasting Terrence Howard, um, basically everybody stayed the same. Everybody came back, right? And... um. I don't know. She's she's kind of been tied to that 
role in a way um where i don't know if you i maybe maybe you would get uh, a bigger bang by recasting and anchoring in somebody that could you know lead it for the next 10 years but i don't know i was just interested on that side of things i think i think that that what i've seen uh in in this movie in particular is uh and and something that i don't think was there as much in uh suicide squad was her really owning the character right okay um and and i'm not saying she gave a bad performance in suicide squad um but in she felt a lot more natural uh and and she felt like she owned the character more in this movie than she did previously mm-hmm. okay. you know um it was nice not to have the baggage of of the joker and jared leto as as anything other than uh, just mentions, like you know, he's mentioned throughout, but he's not there, right? Uh, pulling mm-hmm. the string. Um, but do do I recast her? I think she's. I think at this point, um, if they keep going with her in this role, um, she is uh, Harley Quinn is the breakout character for DC. She's, she's the character that people can latch on to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think the reason you start with Harley Quinn and you start with a villain is because in DC, and, and again, I think this comes down to their curse, but they've, they've allowed their villains, right, to expand. Um, this isn't the days of, of super friends, right, where uh, the villain's goal was to take over the world and there was nothing beyond that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, their their villains are uh, slowly and, and definitely, I think, with Harley Quinn here, becoming more nuanced characters um, in a way that they simply will not allow their heroes to be. Which, you know, kind of ironically is the exact opposite uh, well ironically or maybe fittingly in the conversation that we're having right is it's the exact opposite of most of the way that the MCU operates right and that one of the largest criticisms of the MCU as a whole has always been the typical you know just flattened no kind of substance cardboard cutout of a villain you know a a lot of which which like uh do you remember off the top of your head what the main bad guy's name was in in uh thor 2 do you remember his name um yes it was ian malcolm (sighs) Anyway, <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? Like it, it's one of those things that, um, as we've talked about with, um, we've talked about 
you know, the last couple of weeks with with all of these origin stories and the various movies that DC has had over time. Um, the 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 biggest one for sure has <coughs> absolutely been the Joker, where you you have a contrast of Jack Nicholson's Joker who has an immense backstory and plays directly into that plot versus Heath Ledger's Joker, who has no backstory, but yet is is somehow that much more terrifying, right? Because right. the audience is drawn in with... You know, th- there's going to be hardly anybody sitting in that theater that doesn't have at least some idea of who the Joker is, right? While he's Batman's, like, even if it's just he's Batman's <laughs> foe that wears the clown makeup, right? Like, pretty much everyone in the world at least knows of Batman and of the Joker, Right, they've been so prevalent in pop culture for so long, um, and they may not know anything more than you know he's got green hair and he wears makeup, right? <laughs> like, right. But but they know, and then you go into a movie like that, and it's like like The Dark Knight, and what are his motivations? Where did the scars come from? Oh, that's where the scars from. Wait, no, that's not where the scars from. He was lying the whole time. Like, what's going on with this guy? He's freaking nuts, right? But DC has, not always, don't get me wrong, they've had plenty of flat cardboard cutout villains as well, but they seem to embrace that more, more certainly than than the MCU does, um, and even how some of their superheroes are flushed out. Well, that's the problem, is on, on the DC side of things... Right. So on on the Marvel side of things, you've got these characters and the characters themselves, for the most part, are are fairly well constructed. Right. I mean, you know, Iron Man overcomes this being an alcoholic playboy, uh, you know, to see the error of his ways and realize that, you know, him selling weapons is destroying the world and decides to do something about it. Right. There's there's this hero redemption arc to him. Right. Um, each of them has, uh, they, they each have their flaws. They each all have their nuances. Right. Um, and yeah, for the most part, the villains are bad. I mean, for, for as powerful as Thanos was, he was a fucking idiot. I mean, you've got the gauntlet. There are a million ways to deal with things. If you just stop and think for like two seconds he could have just doubled the food in the universe and no one has to starve, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's literally no need for what he did. But on the DC side of things, your villains are shitty cutouts like that, but so are your heroes. The heroes aren't allowed to expand at all. They're not, like, the the only thing that Batman is allowed to feel is angry because of his parents or mm-hmm. sad. Right. Uh, You know, Superman is basically his superpower is God and he can do no wrong. Um, You know, they're not allowed 
to have any any real character to them. Um, now you look back a little bit, right? Um, they started kind of doing this with the Joker, and and I'm talking in in other media now, not uh, you know we'll we'll set aside Nolan for a minute, right? But in in the other media, you know, there was like Killing Joke and stuff, and they they started uh, expanding. Uh, more on the Joker. And that I think started to seep into some of their other villains. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think Harley Quinn was one that benefited a lot from that. Um, You know, especially when they decided to make that split. Cause, cause at first it was like, okay, Harley Quinn, they just let her like go completely off the crazy train. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and that's entertaining. But then like, then she splits with Joker and now like everyone's trying to kill her because Joker's not protecting her. And it's like, okay, now here's something that you can really engage in. Right. Um, and, and they allowed her to be a person um, and, and be more than this flat one dimensional. I'm evil. I'm the bad guy. My goal is to take over the world. Um, and, and I think the more of that they do, the better. Um but that's why I think, you know, on, on the DC side of things, um, if they have a hope at pulling anything off, they're going to survive based off of their villains. They're not going to survive based off of their heroes. Do you think that that's a part of the reason why they went down the road of doing a a suicide squad movie in the first place so i would like to look at it and say yes okay i i would like to look at it and say okay it, it was a a first attempt they were cutting their teeth um and now you know birds of prey is a a offshoot of that right they've they've learned some lessons and they've made a movie that was better and hopefully they'll continue to grow in it um but i just don't have that kind of faith in dc i think i think that they looked at it and they said suicide squad people like this let's make a movie um and then you know margot robbie was like look i'll do more movies but we gotta like we gotta clean this up and and that kicked him in the ass right um I, I don't have the kind of faith in DC that that they're learning and growing, <laughs> which is sad. No, and I'm not saying that I have faith in it either. But from taking the um, from taking the approach of, hey, we've we've always had um, better villains, if you will, right? Like in in that case, then. Um, you know, it uh, a lot of in the same way that, I mean, I guess it was different with, for a long time, Sony has been rumored to be trying to kick off this, like, Sinister Six project, right? Where yeah. they can, where they can basically launch a villain series of movies, right? Like they did Venom. Um, which is kind of that in between, right? Because, you know, it also interacts with Peter and all, you know, all of that kind of stuff. But 
um, you know, Sony's predicament was they're stuck in the Spider-Man universe, right? Like, they only have license to do so much, whereas DC has their entire history to draw off of, right? And until, what was it, 2014 or whatever, right? The only things that they drew off of were Batman and Superman. And that was it. You know, at least as far as any major promotion of things would go. You know, Teen Titans has been on the air forever. There have been various versions of, you know, cartoon Justice League things and stuff like that. But in terms of until Marvel started taking off and then they were like, oh, well, maybe we should have been doing more with this all along. Right. Like, Yeah, maybe you should have. Who knows? I don't know. See, I don't know. I mean, I look back. Okay, so you look at uh, the Arrowverse, right? Mm-hmm. When when Arrow launched, I well, at first I was like, "What the fuck?" First off, this is a show on the CW. What mm-hmm. what the hell's going on here? And it's Arrow, and I'm I'm sitting here going, you know, I asked my wife, I'm like, "Is this? Are they trying to make a Green Arrow TV show?" Like. That sounded so ridiculous, um, uh, but but then I watched it and and really fell into it and and it was a good show. Um, definitely jumped the shark at the end, but uh, it started off very strong, um, and and I think that was. I'm I'm gonna say that that was probably apathy on the part of DC. They were just like, whatever. It's fucking Green Arrow. No one gives a shit about Green Arrow. Like, go do whatever the fuck you want with him over on CW and have fun. Right. And they made a show that kicked ass. Um, it was it was every bit the, uh, you know, the daredevil uh, of, of the MCU for DC. Um, not I mean, not as good, but, you know, it, it was their their branch in that direction. Um, and when they did it and then, you know, and then they started bringing like they brought in Barry Allen uh, just as a cameo and whatever. And it was like, okay, they're really gearing up for something good here. Uh, and now we have, you know, what's their fucking heroes of future past or whatever that they're going on. Like just garbage. Like as soon as it started to take off and be good at all, then obviously someone took note and decided to come in and just ass rape it of everything that was good. This episode of Eat a Bag of Dicks is brought to you by, well, us. Hi everybody, it's Ron here. Look, getting a new show up and off the ground is not easy. We don't have any real sponsors at this point, but still doesn't hurt to throw in a little shameless self-promotion. Greg and I have no plan to kid ourselves into turning this stuff into a full-time gig, but there are still costs associated with getting this podcast and the other stuff we're going to do off the ground. Wait. What's that you say, Ron? Other stuff? You bet your sweet ass there's going to be more. But at this point, you can interact with us on most of the different media platforms at Eat a Bag Podcast. You can get a hold of us on Twitter. We have a dedicated subreddit, a Discord, eatabagpodcast.com, or plain old email 
eatabagpodcast at gmail.com. And for those of you that are the most generous of all, we've set up a Patreon at patreon.com slash eatabagpodcast to help support the costs of hosting and publishing the show. And the other stuff coming in the future, too, of course. Once again, that's patreon.com slash eatabagpodcast. Thanks again to, well, us for sponsoring our own show. Now, back to it. It's the DC way. Just, uh-huh. This is going way too well. We have to ruin it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, why not? I mean, <laughs> may as well. I mean, I I feel like somebody was sitting behind a desk somewhere and um you know to to be fair to you know nameless Joe Schmo behind behind the desk they they were sitting there behind their desk just tired of like you know every every weekly meeting was to get up and walk in the conference room and get absolutely ass raped over how much better Marvel and Disney were doing at everything super related than they were. And sure. then boss would say, somebody figure this out and go fix it. And next week meeting time would come around and boss would be like, so what's the plan? How are we going to fix this? And everybody would just go, uh, well, um, we could reboot Batman again. And he'd be like, fuck all y'all. You still haven't figured it out. Marvel's still kicking our ass. Fix it. I don't think that's right? what it was. I think it was, well, we could reboot Batman again. And he was like, yeah, that's our <laughs> business model. Do it. <laughs> could be, could be. But I, I feel like there, there were so many of those meetings over and over again. And finally... Somebody, like, just, you know, out of nowhere got a delivery of uh, of the TV ratings, right? Like, the TV departments shuffled off in their own corner. Like, they're basically in the in that corner with the flickering light, and, and nobody really pays attention to them anymore because they all smell kind of funny and whatever. And somebody from across the aisle got some of the numbers from the TV show and was like, wait a minute, hang on. We might actually have something here. And they were like, you know what? We're so fucked in the movie space. Maybe, maybe we just go after TV and, and this will be our grand universe and we'll, we'll do it all on the small screen. And that's what'll really get us there. And see, I'm just, I'm, that now i'm picturing like the little guy going around with his mail trolley right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he's got like his this big cardboard box full of 18 inch black rubber cocks uh to to deliver to whoever is in charge of rebooting batman again uh-huh. uh, and and he's on his way and you know he accidentally puts the tv ratings down on top of the box and then and then gives him his box of dildos um you know right. And and this this poor uh, guy who makes the decision about when to, you know, revamp Batman again, uh, he's sitting there, and he's you know putting on his bib, getting ready to just chow down, mm-hmm. 
and and he looks at the top and he's like, wait a minute, why does this paper say Arrow on it? I run Batman. I demand to know who gave me this paper. And uh, and then people gather around and they look at the paper and they realize, oh shit, we actually have something mildly successful here. And then they decided that because that paper landed on Batman guy's desk, uh, he should take over the process. Exactly. Guess what? You are the new head of of uh, all television development. Congratulations. So proud of you. That's that's basically what it seems like. I I think we pretty much painted the entire picture um, of everything that's happened. To get us to this point. And uh, uh, yeah, I mean, that's in my mind, that's canon. That's exactly how it went. <laughs> now, to be fair, you know, Marvel has had their own. Um, I don't, I don't want to say that they've necessarily had their like television issues. Um, they they have in the sense that they decided where, to pull it. From Netflix and ruin something beautiful. Yeah, but that's because Disney is a you know a greedy behemoth bitch that you know was developing their own um, streaming platform. So you know, I I get the uh, the corporate you know pissing on another corporation type of a thing, but I think where I was going with that is. The, the difference between the two there and the one thing that, that I could respect about DC, even though I didn't agree with it, uh, I think I, I feel like they lost an opportunity uh, where where Marvel really slacked was with with DC, Pretty early on, especially once talk about, uh, you know, a cinematic Justice League and things like that, uh, because you had you had the you had the Flash and Barry Allen on TV. And then yep. supposedly things were going to start being developed for uh, a movie. And then it turned out that Ezra Miller was going to be playing the Flash and, and all of that. And, and DC came out and they snuffed it right away and they said. Our TV universe is our TV universe. The movie universe is the is the movie universe, right? Because like now they even they have some other guy playing Superman, right? Like, and and so these these are different universes, right? Which okay, because on the other hand, with Marvel, everything was supposedly still in the same universe, but nothing was ever going to actually cross over, even though the events of Avengers were happening in New York and the various Netflix shows would kind of like reference it and beat around the bush. And then you had Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which was like a direct spinoff, but then you only had, you know, a couple of actual crossovers, right? You had, you had... Colson first off. Uh, right. And, right. And Which is the, the huge that. anchor. Right. But you also got, uh, you know, they agents of shield 
at least in the beginning. Um, and, and I will say they jumped the shark too as, as they progressed, but at least yeah, in the beginning, Agents, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, was more tied into the, the MCU. Um, and, and there were more references in real time, and it was kind of filling in what was happening at the ground level while these things were happening and in between the movies. And so it was something valuable to have. Um, right. And, and like they had the, um, you know, all of the events that happened after, um, after the winter soldier happened. Right. And the, the collapse of shield and the revelation of Hydra and all of that kind of stuff. Right. And they were just these, you know, the last little group of shield trying to, you know, still keep it together. Um, and that was there. There was entertainment in that. Um, not certainly not, uh, you know, certainly not MCU movie level entertainment, but there was entertainment. And it was something to tide you over in between, uh, you know, the wait between movies. Right. Um, so there was there was value in it. Um, things like the Inhumans, uh, that is just garbage and should never have happened. <laughs> yeah. I feel like they only made the Inhumans because they blew their wad on Iron Fist. You think so, huh? I do because they they did, you know, they did Iron Fist, and and they introduced you know the concept of you know the seven capital cities and and all of that, right? That that whole universe kind of came with him. And then they realized that, oh shit, Disney's shutting this down and we can't use that. So what do we have, right? We, we can't use any of that, which, which would have been um, basically their answer to not being able to use X-Men, right? They can't use X-Men, so then right. they want to use all that. They can't use any of that, so then they're like, oh, we'll do an Inhumans movie or an Inhumans show, uh, you know, with them living on the moon. Because why not? Well, it it was originally supposed to be a movie when when they did the grand unveiling of, you know, the remainder of phase three and beyond through basically out through 2020. Inhumans was the last on the slate to originally be a movie. Right. And, And my whole thought process behind this the entire time was the reason that that was first slated to be within the MCU with, within the cinematic universe was that they didn't have X-Men and this was going to be their foray into the closest that they could get. And what happened as the talks with Fox continued to move forward to buy the properties and bring X-Men and Fantastic Four back home, if you will. Um, I, I think at that point, I, I'm willing to bet that the first conversation was shut it all down, shelve everything. Right. And somebody spoke up. I I don't know if it was Feige. I don't know if it was, you know, somebody else that 
was kind of sub-leading the, the television division that was like, hang on, maybe we can still, you know, we've already started some planning with this. Maybe we can keep this going, right? But now, but then they're in this universe of like, well, we've always said that the TV and the movie stuff is in the same universe, but, you know, if we were doing this Fox thing and Disney Plus is coming out and we're not going to have Netflix anymore and we know we're going to lose the Netflix series, you know, right? Like all of these things just kind of started coming to a head at a certain point where, you know, I, I feel like they probably had some sort of sunken cost fallacy into it where they were like, well, we've already started down this path. Like, let's go ahead and just let's get something else out there. Right. I, I don't know. That that's always just been my take on it. Yeah, I mean, I I think I think what I saw in in um, in Iron Fist, right, was that that first attempt of really saying like, okay, we can't have the X Men, mm-hmm. um, but we still have this. We have the Inhumans. We have you know Kunlun. We have all of this, and like. They introduce Kunlun with uh, with Danny, and then they started to expand, right? Um, mm-hmm. And then you started seeing Inhumans in uh, in Agents of Shield uh, about the same time, right? And it was like, okay, they're gonna they're gonna make a run of this. Uh, you know, it's probably gonna be tied more into the Netflix side of things, but they're gonna make a run of this and and try and do it. Um, you know, as they're sort of, okay, we can't have the X-Men, but we can do this. Um, and then, you know, the whole Netflix operation got shut down and it was like, okay, well, I guess we'll do this on fucking, what was it? ABC or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and have them live on the moon and we'll produce a pile of garbage, you know? (laughs) Um, and it was just terrible. Um, but I think, and and I think the reason that it was terrible, um, aside from like the campy, what the hell is going on? Like, like her hair was just, it was so bad. And the dog was so bad, but we're going to, we're going to put all of that aside. And I'm going to focus on the reason why that specifically wouldn't work is the same reason why X-Men movies don't work, which is you've got this huge ensemble cast from the beginning. And so you've got to try and cram everything into it and you never get to experience any character for more than like three seconds and you don't get to grow with any character. Right. Right. Um, I mean, honestly, if, if I were going to reboot uh, the X-Men as, as a, uh, you know, as an MCU project, Mm-hmm. I would probably start with Gambit and Psylocke independent movies. Okay. See, it, and I've, I've thought about this too, because, you know, one of, one of the things that made, uh, that made the Avengers, Right, the original 2012 Avengers movie. One of the things that made that movie so special 
was the four movies that preceded it. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I guess five if you include Incredible Hulk. I I am still. I, I agree. I I, I will agree. go on record right now as being a purist that uh, the Incredible Hulk was not was not actually um, a part of the MCU. Like you can consider I it's. I love Liv Tyler. Um, that movie can go away. It can be erased. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and as as problematic as um Iron Man 2 was in a lot of ways, um especially in the sexualization of Scarlett Johansson, um the the uh the Mark 5 uh suitcase um suit was one of the coolest things that Marvel has put on screen still to this day. Um, it, it was just fucking awesome. Um, and the um, Black Widow's fight scene against all of the baddies at the end, like, really set her up, right? Like, they did such a disservice of her playing the sexual character up to that point. But, like, once she put on the suit and started kicking everybody's ass, like, it established who she was as that character and, like, mm-hmm. and just how good she was going to be in the universe, right? So, yes, missteps in that movie, right? But you you get the setup of all of these characters that leads into the Avengers, right? And so after that point, I'm thinking... You know, well, this is how you have to do it, right? You you gotta have the establishing stories on their <clears throat> own. You have to, you know, be able to get people uh, their backstories ahead of time, so that once you get into the team up movie, you're all set and you're ready to go, right? You're saddled with the need to provide backstory and who these characters are and whatever. You already know them. You're already invested in them. The, the only other way to do it is to start with the ensemble cast and ignore the backstory, right? And then tease it out in pieces over several movies rather than try to deliver everyone's backstory all at once. Sure. Which takes us to, because that was my firm belief until 2014, when Guardians of the Galaxy came out. Mm-hmm. Because in that movie, right, you have five characters that are in that movie, and right off the bat, the the movie starts with Quill's backstory, right? And how he gets abducted from Earth. But Quill is arguably also the main character of the movie, right? It's an ensemble cast, but Quill is going to be the one that ends up leading the Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Right. As you go through it, like you said, you start to get some of this backstory, right? And you know 
that Gamora is the daughter of Thanos, right? We we get her and Nebula there with Thanos getting the instructions, right, to go with Ronin and, you know, and and get the the stone and all of that kind of stuff. So you're you're blending in backstory for Gamora. But you're you're introducing her, right, as the villain. Right. So so introducing the villain and yep. delivering her backstory. It's a twofer. It it is. It is absolutely a twofer. And and this is a part of like uh, <laughs> James Gunn is just so fucking good. Like the way that he was able to deliver this movie is just so amazing. Right. But to be fair also, what background did you get on Rocket Raccoon? You no, I and I was getting there. But between right. between both Rocket and Groot, right? You you don't get any backstory from them, right? I get like I am Groot. Well, you get I am Groot, right? But and you you also get uh, there's that scene with with Peter and Rocket uh, after they've been trapped in the prison, right? And you can see uh, like Rocket's cybernetic implants on his back and whatnot yeah right so like you you get this visual clue right that he's some sort of science experiment right but there isn't ever like this there's there's no flashback scene there's no long exposition of well when i was on this planet and then you know and i got abducted from here and blah blah you know it's like there's there's just subtle clues there right right um, and then with with Drax, who, by the way, doesn't even get introduced into the movie until like 45 minutes into the movie. Right. Mm-hmm. Like right. they go through the, the planet of Quills, you know, stealing the stone. They you know, they're back on um, were they on Nova at that point or uh, Xandar? Sorry, with the, the Nova Corps. You know, so he's on Xandar, he's trying to pawn this thing, whatever. They go through that whole thing. It's not until they get in the, in the prison, and Drax is already in prison, right? So you've had this chance now. You build up a little bit of Quill. You get Gamora and the bad guy's backstory. Here come these other two crazy... You, you've got a talking raccoon and a tree, right, that are that are chasing after Quill, right? But But no backstory, right? They're bounty hunters. They're looking for Quill. But other than that, like, that's all you get, right? And now you're 45 minutes plus into this movie, and here comes the other character, right? And eventually throughout the movie, you get it teased out, right? Like, he's got a huge boner for Thanos because he wants to just slice his throat because he killed his family. But again, there's no flashback scenes, right? It's just enough motivation for why is he joining the team right now? Right. And so, you know, for 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 Rocket and Groot, they're already on Peter's side because they want to get him out so that they can get the bounty on him Uh, for Drax. Oh, he wants to get out because he's got this revenge. Right. So you get just enough for everybody. But it fits so well with the Guardians because they are this ragtag kind of collection. Right. And so. To bring this all back, that has kind of been my feeling with the X-Men, is that the 
the the X-Men in my opinion have always been like they they've never been that rock solid like you know we're dedicated to being X-Men type thing, right? It's the well we're all so different so we're here together type of a group. Sure. And, you know, their their common bond happens to be the school and Professor X and all of that kind of stuff, right? But they still have their infighting. You know, they're they're not it's not like they're family members or anything like that, right? Like they are still like that. And and so I see where where you were going with you know, starting with a couple solo movies or something like that, but I think the most successful way to break them back in is to start with some sort of ragtag, like just four or five of them. Right. And some right. coalition of these guys coming together. Right. Because the problem with the, the Fox movies was there were too many heroes and there were too many villains. Right. And every right. single one, they felt like they had to blow their wad. And then, you set that up, and the next one has to be even bigger and even bigger, right? Um, you know, so you start with that that ragtag group, and and you have a single enemy. And my preference is that that single enemy is not Magneto, right? No, you know who would be a fucking amazing like as much as I don't want to see another X Men movie because I don't, I I really do not want to see Fox or. Sony or whoever make another fucking X-Men movie. It would They're be garbage. Disney at this point, Hate but yes. Them. I never want them to make another one. <laughs> but if they were to reboot the series and, and try to do it right, I want to see Omega Red. Okay. All right. I and I don't want to see Omega Red fight Wolverine. I don't want to see Wolverine recast ever. I don't want to see him come back. You, you've you can heard, maybe you've you've heard who who might be in talks to be the next Wolverine, haven't you? No, uh, unless it's uh, unless it's Peter Dinklage, I don't fucking care. <laughs> no, that wouldn't work with continuity. He was already in the in the X Men movies. That's um, true. Um, it the the last thing that I saw a week or two ago is none other than the one, the only your favorite and mine. Le Shia LaBeouf. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> I didn't think it could be worse than you, Jackman. <laughs> oh, come on. Come on. Hugh Hugh grew into that character. It definitely it it definitely got better over time versus getting worse over time. I want my Wolverine short, hunched over, hairy with a pot belly and big fucking arms, right? <laughs> I want I want, you know, Wolverine Wolverine, not pretty boy Wolverine. <laughs> okay okay uh, you know but leave, leave him out of it just you know what if you really feel that his presence needs to be in the movies like 
leave a cigar burning somewhere every once and again. Right. So the fans in that he's around. He's off, you know, uh, dry humping Jean Grey and, and uh, you know, being salty at Scott. And oh, they can, all, they can yeah. go live in their own little fuck you world where I don't have to deal with them. I definitely don't care uh, about Scott one way or the other, but I, I mean, between him and Jean Grey, both of them, they they do. I totally agree. They need to be left the fuck out. Um, it just and that's that's why I would focus on the characters. Like, I mean, uh, you know, Gambit. Gambit's a character you could build a movie around. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, they were supposed to. Uh, Channing Tatum was gonna do a Gambit movie, um, but that was before the Fox sale. So, and and uh, you know, Psylocke, you could build a movie around. Mm-hmm. And then if you really want to introduce, um, you know, the X Men as a whole, then you have a movie introducing the X Men as a whole where you've got Jubilee being chased by Sabretooth. And, uh, you know, you have Gambit and Psylocke come to Saber and they bring her back to the Academy and we introduce all of that. And then we skip backstory on the beast. We skip backstory on so many of the others, right? Because we don't need it. Right. Yep. Definitely don't. Yeah. I, you know, it's. It's one of those things that I I was very, very concerned about how Marvel was going to happen, uh, handle not only his appearance in Civil War, but Spider-Man's uh, solo movie, right? Um, because obviously there was there was also the the creative input and whatever sign off from Sony and stuff like that, but there had been five movies since whatever that was two thousand one two thousand two when the first Tobey Maguire Spider Man had come out, yeah, and there was so much. Um, just fatigue with Spider-Man, right? People, everybody, especially after that first movie, you know, between that and, and granted, you know, going close to Batman origin story territory. Yeah. I, I think the difference was though, that, we had had so much Batman up to that point, and we hadn't had a Spider-Man or any other Marvel characters, right? Yeah. Um. Well, honestly, X-Men had come out before Spider-Man, but that was... <clears throat> That was still kind of under the radar, right? In in the way that Spider-Man blew up, right? X-Men was successful, and it was I mean it was successful enough to warrant a sequel to it, but Spider-Man was so uncharacteristically 
popular for a superhero movie. And to be quite honest, I think a part of Spider-Man's immense success was the fallout of 9-11 and the the fact that Spider-Man happened in New York. And when it came down to it, Spider-Man really was kind of a feel-good movie, right? Some bad things had happened to this kid, but he overcame adversity and he wins the day, right? And there's that scene at the end where he's he's about to, you know, lose the the freight car onto the the river whatever and Goblin is messing with him and all the New Yorkers are like throwing stuff from the bridge and it's like you want to mess with one of us, you mess with all of us, right? It was one of those like it was perfectly suited for that moment in the aftermath of this attack on New York, like literally that had happened in real life, right? And I, I still think that Spider-Man would have been a popular movie had 9-11 not happened, but I think that there was something additional there that propelled it to this extra level because of this strange unifying feeling in our country at that time. I'm going to go out on a limb here and I'm going to say that the success of Spider-Man came down to J.K. Simmons. <laughs> that was it right there. I mean, there are plenty of people who will sit here and uh-huh. say Kirsten was the perfect Mary Jane. Um, Tobey Maguire definitely was not the perfect Spider-Man, but um, no. you know, at the time he wasn't, it wasn't bad. It was, it was something different in a movie, and, and, you know, it was what it was. Um, I know there were a lot of people who were really behind Kirsten Dunst as Mary Jane. Um, mm-hmm. But, but the I truth of the of matter, the best casting in that movie, and the thing that carries it today, was J.K. Simmons. And to, have him, come, yep. to have him come back and out Spider-Man uh, again was perfect it was brilliant it was it was uh you know marvel realizing that if we recast anyone else we're going to be crucified for it he is this character yeah as they should have been had they cast anybody else in that (laughs) they absolutely should have been crucified there are there are so few roles across Marvel or DC that I would ever look at and say um, that they are absolutely perfectly cast. And um, Robert Downey Jr. as, as Tony Stark is, is one of them. And these, these are in no particular. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, uh, Heath Ledger's performance of the Joker. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And J.K. Simmons um, as J.J. J. J. Jameson. Absolutely. 100%. I will say that Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn is starting to approach that level. Sure. And I think, and I think he's got yeah. it. That, that one I will definitely have to leave to you because I have... 
I have no purview on that topic because, um, I mean, yeah, I, you know, I, it wasn't I still her, haven't seen anything, anything but she's, she's making the character her own. And I think it's going to be very hard to, uh, she, she's going to be one of those people where it's going to be damn near impossible to separate her from the character. Um, yeah. you know, for them going forward, like if they tried to recast, I, I don't think it would work for quite a while. Okay. So, so this is a perfect roundabout segue back to everything that we were originally talking about, which Marvel takes over. Yeah, they do. No, they do. They suck. They totally suck. But DC has a complete revamp and everything takes over. Are you still thinking that they start with Harley Quinn and they recast Margot Robbie or do you think that they have her come back? I, I tell you this and, and I realize that amongst the three people now that listen to us, (laughs) uh, this might not not be a shared opinion, Mm -hmm. but in my world, I would, I would kick off the universe with Harley Quinn because she is right now, the strongest character that they have. Mm-hmm. I would kick it off with her. I would keep Margot Robbie if I could. Uh, and I would give it to Kevin Smith to direct. Oh, okay. I think Kevin Smith, uh, you know, I, I get it. He's, he's the goofy guy with clerks and, and smoking too much pot and whatever, but uh, I think he'd pull it out. I think he could pull that movie out. Um, he's he's enough of a Batman nerd, right? He's got enough of it in his mm-hmm. DNA. Um, I mean, his daughter's name is Harley, for fuck's sake. Mm-hmm. I think he could figure it out. Yeah. Um, I I actually I really like that choice. Um, because. You know, one of the things that immediately came to mind was um, when 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 Marvel and Kevin Feige selected John Favreau to helm the original Iron Man, right? Like that was also that that was kind of met with some criticism and like. Really? You're you're tr- I mean because they made their intentions very well known, right? That that they were trying to start something with this movie, right? They didn't they didn't come straight out and say, "Yep, we, what we're going for is the Avengers," right? It but right. they were definitely like there was a plan in motion here. Um and there was some criticism for this guy who I mean yeah, he had some directing credits, right? But nothing on this kind of like blockbuster scale. And look at what we got. You know, we got a movie that's still, you know, out of all of the movies overall in in the MCU, right? It was probably I I haven't looked this up, but it was probably the lowest dollar budget, right? it was very grounded in like, you know, the amount of special effects and, and all of the fancy, um, 
you know, whether it's ILM or, you know, uh, whoever else helping out with visual effects, you know, overall, you know, there's some cool stuff in that movie, but, um, it is, it's no end game. Right. Right. Um, so I, I really like that choice, um, for Kevin Smith coming in and doing it and to really, uh, you know, he has a really good way of balancing uh, a lot of that comedic versus serious tone in things, which, again, mm-hmm. if you're looking at uh, a, a recipe for success in something like Iron Man, right, where <laughs> Tony Stark is, like, total smartass, right? It's snarky comments. It's you know quick wittedness, like all of that kind of stuff. And if you could, um, you know, build that out within Harley Quinn and and really develop that villain character, I like it. I like it a lot. But I would I would also start if 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 this was me, right? Like I'm the guy in charge of putting together the the master plan, right? You are the architect. Yes. All right. I'm going to keep it small as long as I can, right? I'm going to start with Harley Quinn, but I'm going to focus on the B-listers. I'm I'm going to drop hints that Batman exists. Um, You know, uh, maybe maybe you see Superman flying overhead in a scene or something as he's zipping off to do something else, right? We're not we're not touching them, Mm -hmm. right? We're we're not we're not going after them. We're, we're sticking, we're sticking closer to the ground, right? Uh, you know, we're, we're going to maybe where we are right now in terms of the development of the, uh, of, of the Marvel universe, we may be introducing flash at this point. Okay. Okay. We're not, we're not up to wonder woman yet even. Right. Mm-hmm. We're getting, we're getting flash. Maybe we're hitting that cyborg. Uh, but cyborg, I would put with teen Titans and I would go that route. In, in this same cinematic universe you're saying, or in the, in the cinematic universe that I am creating, uh, huh. um, rather than having your first, team up your first big thing right go to justice league i would Uh go to teen Titans. okay all right i would i would you know um you you could have uh robin uh you could bring cyborg into it you could bring uh uh starfire and raven right uh and beast boy there's your five right there uh Uh, they start so once once you get off of Harley Quinn, uh, her first movie. Then we start edging our way into Teen Titans. Um, And then as we start moving through Teen Titans, now there's our first Avengers level, right, team up movie. We establish them, and then we start bringing in Flash, and we start looking at some of the more mature uh, level of an arrow, stuff like that. And then now, you know, still, I would say another two phases in the MCU is is where we are away from bringing in Superman, 
right? I'm not touching him until way the fuck down the road. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at all of the other characters that they have, and I'm saying, let me take the characters that I think they will let me consume and adjust and really tool to my vision before we start going after the big guys. Mm-hmm. Before we hit Batman, where you know you're going to just run into a brick wall of resistance trying to do anything. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, I would I would do Teen Titans, let them run for a little bit, and then when you introduce Flash, flip Robin over to Nightwing. Mm-hmm. Okay. And now you've Nightwing Flash team up, right? Yep. You know, instead of Teen Titans, now they're in their, uh, you know, mid-20s, and we introduce that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and we keep moving down the road, right? And, and there's so much you can do in that space um, where you're not... You're not pushing too hard directly on them to say, hey your vision of Batman and another fucking origin story sucks, right? <laughs> um, you're, you're building it with all these other characters so that by the time you get to tackling Batman, it's like, okay, he's going to fit naturally into this universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, the natural course for him to be involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, up until then he's just, he's a background character. He exists, but he like, He's someone that, you know, maybe Robin talks to on the phone every once and again. You know, he's not, uh, you know, maybe we throw in a Wayne Manor and an Alfred uh, with Robin at some point. But mm-hmm. we're not we're not going into the Batcave. Yeah. Yeah. So you're you're saying that um, you're not you're not going to dive into to what this character's soul is to to look at somebody who's gone through this trauma and everything he's doing as a reaction to that trauma okay gonna... let's be fair. robin's trauma was was that <laughs> no i was ta- i was batman. talking about batman not robin <laughs> no no we're we're going to do the first no backstory batman movie oh that would be great. That no backstory. So just he's Batman, and you know what? He's not even getting his own solo movie. To start. <laughs> oh, he's okay. not. I like. I'm it. not giving him a solo movie to start. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to bring Batman in, but Batman's going to play second fiddle to someone else. Good. All right. We're going to do like a. We're going to do like maybe a, a Batman. Um, who, who would I pair him with? Oh, you know who would be good to pair Batman with? Oh. An older Beast Boy. Okay. <laughs> like, like Beast Boy is now like in his 30s, mm-hmm. right? And and we pair him with Batman. Good. You get that kind of sarcastic, uh, snarky, with, with your brooding angry, right? Mm-hmm. That's because uh, because you got to play them off each other, right? I mean, uh, Drax only works uh, because of the because there's enough comedic elements there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, to balance things, right. Quill wouldn't work without Rocket, right? Right. Although yep. I do, 
Although I do wish uh, that uh, what's her face from Parks and Rec was Grimora. Um, who? Sorry, what? Aubrey Plaza is Grimora. Oh, yeah, that would be. I would. That, I that would be a good Gamora choice. I mean, I I don't fault uh, their their choice. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, you've already got Andy there. You may as well have April there too. <laughs> oh, just round it out. You gotta play. You gotta play with the larger context of of what you're doing, right? Uh-huh. Uh, you know, movies these days they it can't just be about the movie, right? It's about the movie, but it's also about everything else that happens in the universe and the little nuggets that you drop. And then every once and again, a director will drop just a little, a little nod to reality in there. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's so nice to see. Um, I don't know, but, but I do think, I do think if I was architecting this, I think the perfect place to start would be, a Harley Quinn movie uh, directed by Kevin Smith. Yeah. And I yep. would, and, and to tie it in because, because we're going to do Teen Titans later, I would maybe even have her go against Red Skull or not Slade. Sorry, Slade. Not Red okay. Skull. Uh, get yep. my universes confused. <laughs> um, but if you put it, you know, you may, maybe you have, uh, some tie-in with her and Slade, and I'm not sure exactly how I'd work that in yet. There's got to be a story there somewhere that we could borrow from, um, uh-huh. and start yourself down that route, and and build it in more of a you know in more of the Deadpool sort of way with her, right? Yeah. Uh, and that and and use that to break your way into building all of this. Yep. I think it could be done. I think it is more than reasonable. I could see, I could see, uh, I could see a future movie where Tara from Teen Titans is fighting Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. Right? Sure. Be, uh, that would be entertainment right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just gotta, you know, you've got to think outside the box a little bit, and you've got to be willing to uh, to play with the characters uh, and and to let them grow as characters. Yep. Well, I, yeah, I just think the next step now is, um, for, uh, that, uh, that schmuck sitting behind the desk at, uh, DC Warner headquarters that had the piece of paper accidentally delivered to his desk with the arrow uh numbers on it instead of the batman numbers uh at this point basically all that he needs right now is just a copy of this podcast uh somehow well, delivered he, he to can him to it without he doesn't even have to stop eating the dicks to he can listen to it while he's eating <laughs> yeah but i figure i figure if the guy is going around with the mail cart full of dicks anyway like hey mail guy delivering the mail this is your assignment make it happen because greg definitely needs to be the head of 
the head architect of the DC universe. We've established it. All, all I'm saying is Kevin Smith, if you're listening to this, which I know you're not, but if you're listening to <laughs> this, give me a call. 